Coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. One of the things that certainly has drawn me and ultimately made me proud to be a part of the voiceover community is that it's so collaborative. There's this sense of we're all in it together. And so the the Facebook communities, the, the conferences, organizations like Wovo, there are so many people that are so giving and willing to help each other out. And I don't know many other industries where that sort of thing would happen. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain a video, imaging radio, slinging local cars, read an IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Yeah, welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. Kevin Kilpatrick in Nashville, Bobby Maxwell in Cincinnati, and we are so excited to have very special guests Joe Davis and Karen Barth from voiceactorwebsites.com. Joe is the founder and CEO, whereas Karen is the director of operations. We all know what that means, that she probably does all the work. Is <laughs> is that uh, is that how? No, I'm, I'm joking. Joe and Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. Yeah, both in Orlando, and um, we are all once again home sheltering or isolating or whatever you call it because we're on another week of of uh, coronavirus scare, and we're gonna make this happen. Speak for yourselves. I live in beautiful woods where I can go out walking anytime I want. Oh, uh, bragging much? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you guys on, and today we're going to talk about something that is, I, I don't know if it's an uncomfortable subject right now, but we're talking about marketing, and and voiceover websites uh, are a way to passively market, I would say, without offending anybody. And Bobby, you go back with Karen and Joe both, don't you? I have to tell you, I actually met them at Voxy Summit three years ago. And you both critiqued my existing website at that time. And I was impressed. I really was. Um, I I walked away from it, had had heard great things about both of you. And I made the choice of going with someone who did someone else's site. And, And a year later, I went back to you because... They that other person didn't do what I want. So if I had just stuck to my guns <laughs> the first time, and and they just did my new site, and I could not be more pleased with it. Well, let's start, Joe, with you, Joe. Let's talk about your history with voice actor websites. You're the founder. Um, did you do websites prior to voice actor websites, or did you dive right in and, and say, here's a specific need to a specific industry? How did that come about? So my, prof- my my father was a professor uh, at the University of Buffalo, and I grew up on the campus having access to computers and uh, the early internet before most people did. And so I actually, um, because I was interested and it was a, a fun experiment, I started building websites before the internet had graphics wow. and before people had, you know, 14.4 modems in their, in their houses. <laughs> um, and... I, it just it was a, a hobby, an interest, a passion, and then uh, ended up going to school for other things. Um, actually, went to the University of Buffalo, and what, all that time was was do, I was doing websites on the side um, as a, a way of generating some income, and uh, and then 
eventually started doing it as a business and realized that there's a lot of people that make websites, but specializing in an industry where um, you understand the needs of that industry could be very valuable for, for both sides. And so um, actually, thanks to Dan Leonard, the home studio master, mm-hmm. co-host of VOBS, um, he was a good friend of mine and I helped him with some of his marketing. And he said, you know, I, I really think that voiceover could be that industry for you, that niche where you know the niche and, and you know um, what you do. And so I, I spent about a year learning about voiceover, um, did some voiceovers and just understanding the needs of talent seekers, of talent, and um, then launched voice actor websites and went on Dan's show. And uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but um, basically the, the day after the show aired, voice actors started calling and it just snowballed from there. And uh, eventually Karen came aboard and now we have a team of 27 people. And wow. So oh, I didn't know that. It, wow. Yeah, it, it's been a, uh, a pretty amazing ride. And many of us either are also voice actors or um, just you know work exclusively in that industry. And so we, we know people that hire talent. In fact, today, um, we just helped cast a, a project, a big project for um, several uh, talent. And so people come to us because we know so many voice actors. And so we work with agents, we work with end clients. And um, so we do more than just websites, I guess is what I'm saying. Did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Karen, do you have a, a background in, in voiceover? I do not. I actually have a background in injection molding. I was uh, <laughs> I ran factories overseas, and I did project manager, uh, project management, um, and product management overseas. So uh, basically, my my experience has not been on the techie side of things. Um, Joe taught me everything, and I went to conferences with him for about a year before I started really working because I felt like if I don't know what's going on in the business, I can't really help people. So it was a really great learning experience. I got to meet a lot of people and I just made some wonderful friends. It's been really a blessing. It's a great community. Joe, whenever you have someone or Karen, whoever wants to answer this, when you have a voice actor approach you uh, to consult with them, what are some of the questions that you'll ask the voice talent? the the goals of the talent are super important because there's there are basically two ways that talent can use a, a site for voiceover. The first is an extension of a business card, meaning they've had some sort of prior interaction with someone that wants to hire them and they're sending them the site to give them that ability to hear them and, and ideally hire them. And the second is uh, more of a, a passive form of marketing where You've done SEO, your website ranks for search terms that talent seekers are looking for, and therefore you're getting people through the door who you haven't actively reached out to. And um, understanding which is the right fit for the talent is important. So that's probably the first question that we usually ask is, how do you plan to use this? And uh, sometimes people don't even know and don't know that distinction. So it's more of what are your goals from this? You know, are you just starting out and you need a place to house your, your demos? Or is this going to be a primary driver of your voiceover business? Hmm. Yeah, I, I like to find out what their target market is, um, who their bread and butter clients are, if they are already established, um, to know their personality and if they want us to shine through um, and be shown on the site. Um, sometimes there's, you know, 
their personality is very different than the types of roles they're cast for. So that doesn't come into play, but it, it's good to know, get a little background and see where they're at in their career, what they want to achieve with their site. And if they want it to reflect them as a person or just their voice or the combination of the two. Okay. What has surprised you most about talent's existing sites when they come to you and, and you check it out? <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's hear the down and dirty. <laughs> no names. <laughs> Bobby. Uh, so I'd say that the, the, the first thing that I always look for, and I'm surprised how often I don't see it, are demos on the homepage. Ooh. And it's downloadable. Yes. And so, you know, if, if you are either sending people or want people to come to your website and hear you and hire you, then give them the easiest path to do that. And when, when we talk to casting directors and producers, one of the, the first complaints that they have is, I went to a site, couldn't fit, find the demos, I left. And wow. um, the, the attention span, especially, you know, among millennials, but uh, among all talent seekers, I think is pretty low. And the numbers that we hear, and also in, in Google Analytics tracking, we see uh, within about seven seconds, people decide whether they're going to stay on a site or not, which is a, to me, a shockingly low number, but it just seems to be the reality. Yeah. The other thing is, is their name on their website, not in the form of a logo because Google can't see images and all it can go off of is text. So if they don't have their name actually on their website, they're not going to be found if somebody types in their name and then is their contact information front and center. A lot of people, when I go to their sites, I can't find how to contact them. And I think that that's like very important to have right up front and center. It is. And Karen mentioned having the demos downloadable. Uh, if someone does have downloadable demos on their website, a surprising number don't put their name in the MP3. They'll call it commercialdemo.mp3 or narrationdemo.mp3, oh, wow. which means that somebody who downloads it a week later or a day later or even that night doesn't know where the heck it came from, who it was. And so always putting your name in the MP3 file, um, ideally both as the file name. So, uh, you know, Joe Davis commercial demo.mp3 and also in the metadata, which is information that's embedded into the audio file. And when you pop it up in a, a media player, um, it'll actually have that information embedded in there. And you can put your website and phone number in the metadata. So uh, make sure that those demos, if they're downloadable, have the ability for someone to know where they came from. And then, you know, th there's all kinds of things that we look for on the SEO side, which uh, we wouldn't necessarily expect people to know about, but um, maybe we'll get into that a little bit more later in the conversation, but um, there's a ton there. And uh, just another thing I would say is making sure that the website works on whatever device. So another thing that we see, especially with sites that were made a few years ago, is that they're not necessarily... Um, mobile compliant or mobile responsive. And so you have to pinch and zoom or things don't work on a cell phone or on a tablet. And in today's world, more than half of web traffic is mobile. So uh, it's important there. And then also search engines like Google, they are now a mobile first index, meaning that as of last year, Google now ranks websites according to the mobile version of a site, not the, the desktop version. Interesting. Whoa. So I was just wondering, like, for, for pictures or no pictures on a site, because I, I, I do a very young voice for kids um, promo work, 
and I'm actually 85 years old. (laughs) 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 But I'm not 15, that's for sure. And so I chose not to have a picture on at least my landing page. Um, What do you recommend, or is it really the individual person? I actually think that it's more beneficial to, it's nice to have that human component on the site, but if it was me and if it was my site, I would put it in their contact form or down in the bio section because people do bias and think that you sound a certain way by the way you look. So unless you don't have a lot of give to your voice and you sound exactly like you look or you look exactly like the demographic uh, voice that you're trying to um, cater to, then I don't think it's beneficial to put it front and center. Now, some people's face is their brand, so it makes sense, Mm -hmm. but otherwise... I think um, putting it, like I said, in the contact section or in a bio or internal about page would be great. I agree with Karen. I think it pre-biases the listener. So if your face is your brand or you are really niche and, you know, let's say you're Weird Al Yankovic and you have this zany sound and a zany look, (laughs) then um, it's fine. But otherwise, it, it limits your flexibility because... If you look 20 and you sound 40 or you sound, um, you know, the opposite, then it's going to limit you. Or if you do really serious corporate narration, but wear baseball caps, people are yeah. not going to you know, take you seriously. So uh, to me, the beauty of voiceover is you can be anyone that the person listening to you wants you to be. That's a good point. I like that. And once you show them a picture, you're telling them who you are. So um, in general, if you're going to put a picture, I completely agree with Karen, putting it down in the contact form or an about section where people are digging to find more information about you. That's okay. But don't have it be the first thing that someone sees. A penny for your thoughts. You know, I, I love seeing the pictures of Bobby when she's acting zany and wacky because that's, you know, nothing says zany and wacky like Bobby Maxwell to me. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about, I was going to ask you about search engine optimization, SEO. You were going to get yeah. into that a little bit. Uh, it, tell us, um, you know, as, as voice, voice actors, we want to know what is going to benefit us the most. How, how does all that work, Joe? Talk to me like I'm a four-year-old. Who is your daddy and what does he do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a very good question. Good question, Kevin. So there's a a bit of counterintuitiveness to SEO, I think, for voice talent, because as a voice actor, you want someone to hear your voice and see your brand. And SEO is very much about content, about text-based content. And the, the more, the better. So if you think of Google as half a, um, a popularity contest and half a relevancy engine, I think that's a good analogy. Wow. And I'll break those two down. Um, the, the relevancy engine is Google's trying to find the most relevant result to a searcher's intent, meaning let's say someone is looking for uh, healthcare commercial voiceover talent. And so that's the the search term that they use, you know, healthcare commercials, voiceover. And you have a website about voiceover. Is it related? Yeah. But could it be more relevant? Absolutely. So then let's say you have this site about voiceover and you break down your um, genre pages into each genre that you do, each overarching category. So one for commercial, one for narration, one for e-learning, one for IVR, one for audiobooks. So Google looks at that and says, all right, so the website's about voiceover and it's about commercial. 
So is it related? Yeah. But could it be even more relevant? Yes. So now let's say you do a tertiary level where each one of those genres is broken down further. So under commercial, you have automotive commercials and toy commercials and healthcare commercials. So Google looks at that and says, all right, so the site is about voiceover, it's about commercial, and it's about healthcare commercials. Wow, it becomes one of the most relevant results on the internet. And so getting that granular can be really helpful. It's difficult for new talent because they just don't have the body of work to support that. But um, that's the sort of thing that Google's looking for. And the the sweet spot in terms of text-based content is something like 800 words a page, which 99.9% of website visitors are not going to read that text, but it's not for them. It's for the search engines. It has to make sense if someone's going to actually read it, but it's for showing the search engines that you really know what you're talking about with this content. And so that's the the, um, relevancy engine portion. And then on the popularity contest side, Google was trying to understand um, how if something was popular and it, it was trying to figure out the best way to do that. And what it came up with, and all search engines use this to some extent, uh, was backlinks. So other websites that link to you count as a vote in favor of your site. Now, uh, a number of years ago, they changed that to relevant contextual backlinks. And so what that means is if you get a website uh, backlink from your barber, that's not going to help you because it's not relevant and contextual. It doesn't have anything to do with what you do. But if you get links from other websites that have something to do with what you do, if they're about voiceover, about commercials, about um, production, from agents, all that sort of thing, each one of those counts as a vote in favor of your site. So even like the pay to plays would do that? Well, (laughs) I'm glad you asked that. I'll answer that in a sec. (laughs) Um, It's a very good question. So Uh, There's something called domain authority and page authority. And and essentially, that's a logarithmic scale from 1 to 100, which measures the relative power of a particular page on a site or the entire domain, which is the aggregate of all the pages. And so the higher the authority, the more authority can pass to you. And so uh, it's much better to get a backlink from CNN than it is from, or, you know, whatever news station, than from a website that's a much lower domain authority. Uh, now, the, the caveat is exactly what you just mentioned. So you have the, the pay-to-plays, which in general are not incentivized to have individual voice talent websites outrank them because that you know is not good for their business. Yeah. So regardless of what you think of pay-to-plays, uh, there's something you can add to a link, and it's called a nofollow tag. And so the the nofollow attribute tells search engines, even though we're linking to this other site, don't pass any authority, don't have this count as a a vote in favor of that site. And so um, if you're in Chrome, you can just right click on a link and do inspect, and you can see whether it's a nofollow tag. But virtually all of the pay to plays have nofollow tags on their links, so they don't pass any authority to the individual talent. Oh, curses. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. Okay, so there's on-page site SEO and off-page. So the off-page, the thing that's most important off-page that you can do is get the relevant contextual backlinks. On-page is anything you could do to optimize your site, um, such as what Joe mentioned, which is adding the content in the form of text um, 
breaking up those pages so that you have individual pages dedicated to very specific subjects um, or genres and um, having H tags set up, alt tags. Alt tags basically tell the bots they can't see images. So if you attribute an alt tag to an image, then it understands what's there. And um, that's helpful. So, you know, if it's, if it's a picture of your logo and it just said it didn't have an alt tag or if it just said logo, that's not very descriptive. But it's, if it said Bobby Maxwell voiceovers, uh, then that's much more descriptive. And that's very helpful. And then the H tags are heading tags that are very important because they're basically, it's, it's telling the, the search engines what your page is about and um, you're optimizing for those terms. So it's very important to distinguish what those are on your page. Wow. All this stuff makes my head hurt. So whenever <laughs> I, I was talking to Bobby about this the other day, we like to play. We like to perform. We like to get in front of the mic. And then we like everything else to kind of take care of itself. Somebody else help us with that. <laughs> what What can somebody, you know, expect budget wise to pay, you know, let's say you, you talk with them, you assess their needs, and, and they want to get some results. They want to get some, uh, you know, drive-by traffic onto their website. What kind of budget can somebody expect to pay quarterly, monthly, whatever it is, to get some, a little bit of traffic, um, you know, getting some bites on their website? You're, you're talking about SEO-wise? Yeah, you know, or, you know, I, I'm serious. You know, you, to me, You've got to break it down for me again. And I know what SEO is and I know all, you know, the search terms and all that. You got to do all that. So, yes, in terms of SEO or if I just said, hey, Joe, hey, Karen, um, what's it going to take for my monthly or quarterly budget or whatever it is to get some traffic into my website and and for uh, potential clients to reach out to me for auditions? It depends on the how difficult the search term is that you're going after or the set of search terms. And some people know what they want to go after. Some people don't. The the less competitive the search term, the easier it is, but um, usually the less lucrative it is. Not always. Sometimes you can find these golden nuggets that no one else has thought of and is not optimizing for. I would say most people who are doing SEO on a regular basis are spending anywhere from uh, $500 to two dollars or $3,000 a month. And, uh, Specific to, to our industry? In- yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you are dealing with something like a law firm, they're spending many thousands of dollars. Uh, and that's why I think most voice talent, if they do SEO, they don't see a result because they end up you know, doing something like uh, going to their web host and signing up for an SEO package, which is $50 a month or $100 a month, which doesn't move the needle at all. It's not a, a human being doing anything. It's just um, their web host says, oh, we'll make your server faster or whatever the, their version of SEO optimization is. But real SEO optimization requires a human being um, touching it virtually every day. And so it's, there, there's a fair amount of um, continual work involved. And then uh, if you, you know, once you stop, sometimes you, you stay at the top for a while. Sometimes, you know, it takes time and then you, you drop off and sometimes you drop off right away uh, because there's always other people doing other things. If you search for competitive search terms like female voiceover talent, uh, more than half the first page of Google are actually clients of ours. And so um, we won't, for a specific genre or uh, gender or modifier, we won't take 
more clients in that uh, section than their space because it's just, to me, it's not ethical. And so um, we, we work with people on and off all the time. Some people will, you know, do SEO with us for six months and then stop for a few months and then start again. Some people just continue all the time. Some people do a month or two and then stop. So there's, it's, there's no set rates for SEO. I would say expect to pay about a hundred dollars an hour. Um, and if someone quotes less than that, they probably are not doing effective SEO. Yeah, and the price also depends on the talent's involvement. Sometimes we do all the work and because they're, they just want it done. Um, some people will write their own content, have us tweak it and optimize it. It could be a combination of things. So the, there's usually a budget that somebody has in mind and we take that budget, we, we develop a strategy and we try to come up with the best solution um, to make that money stretch, you know, depending on how much time they have to, to put in and what they want us to do. It's really a collaborative process most of the time. Do you guys ever turn anybody down? Yeah. Uh, we actually turn people down for websites sometimes. So uh, if someone comes to us and they're very much not ready for a website, we'll tell them. Yeah. We get about 1,500 unique visitors a day on voice actor websites. And so um, we get a lot of people who are outside of the voiceover community that we all know. And there's people, a lot of people who have this um, idea that, you know, you can stay at home and make money in your PJs and all you have to do is go out and buy a (laughs) USB mic. (laughs) And so there's a a lot of education to what we do as well. And uh, on a fairly regular basis, we'll let people know, you know, you're not what are you going to put on your website? Cause you don't have a demo. And they're like, well, I haven't thought about that. Or, Oh, I'll just record something on my phone. And we're like, okay. So oh. what you need to do is learn about the industry. Wow. And um, you know, maybe in a year or two, you'll be ready and you can come back to us, but here are some resources. And so um, there's a, as I said, a big educational component and um, we, we certainly turn people away for websites and um, for SEO. I, I probably convince more people not to do SEO than to do SEO because there's, I think there's a, a good reason to do it. And then there are people that think that that should be their business model is that people will just find them online. And it works for some folks. Um, we have a, a client, uh, Debbie Gratton, and we've worked with her for a long time and her SEO is fantastic and she gets a lot of business from it. We also uh, work with Jay Michael and he gets business from his SEO. Um, Kim Handyside, same thing. But there are definitely talent that either either um, don't have the financial part of their budget to spend on SEO, or it's just not going to be a primary driver for them. Certain genres are not driven right now by Google searches. Others get a lot of search. Hmm. Right, like you wouldn't you wouldn't get you wouldn't book work for promo through your site, typically speaking. So that's not something, if somebody said, oh, well, I want to up my game in SEO for, for promo, we would probably advise against it. Um, what about a hosting and domain names? I, I wanted to share a funny story, um, not so much funny for her. Um, a friend of mine who did voiceover as a side hustle, still does, um, used her name as, a, as her domain and she had a friend who did the hosting and kind of just maintained the site. Well, both of them forgot about re-upping or renewing whatever. And my friend went to log on and her website, which, you know, was Jill Jones or whatever, um, 
was now a porn site. Mm-hmm. Hi-yo! <laughs> and just because they both forgot, you know, they missed a date, basically. Are there companies or, or, or searches that people are looking for something to slip through the cracks like that? So there is a huge, huge industry in aftermarket domains. Wow. And the reasons for that are largely tied to SEO. So the older a website is, the older the domain name is and the content that resided on there, um, in general, the better it performs. It'll also have backlinks already. And so I I sometimes pay many thousands of dollars for old domains. Really? Uh, I, I have... I own about a thousand domains. Wow. And uh, which, you know, it, <laughs> it's an investment. It is an investment, absolutely. And uh, I either um, sell them or lease them or use them for our own internal purposes. But, and many of them are outside of voiceover. There are certainly um, uh, several hundred within voiceover, but many of them are outside of voiceover. And people will pay tremendous amounts. So, you know, I've, I've paid um, up to $10,000 for a domain. And uh, there are certain things that make a domain more valuable. So as I said, age, uh, how many backlinks it has, but also things like what keywords appear in it, how short it is. There are no more four uh, letter domains. There haven't been for many years. And so, you know, ztvy.com would probably sell for a minimum of 500 to a thousand dollars. And that's simply because there are no more left. It's not because it spells anything. There are no more three-character domains. So, you know, 1NJ.com, that would sell for probably even more than the the four-character or the four-letter domain. And then two-character domains, even if there were any available, the um, ICANN, which is the International Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, it's the the parent body that controls all domain names. Mm -hmm. That registrars like GoDaddy or Namecheap will go to and, and apply to become a registrar. Uh, they don't allow two-character registrations anymore, and they haven't for like fifteen or twenty years. Okay. And so, um, I actually own a couple two-character ones, and they're worth many tens of thousands of dollars because you just you can't get them anymore. So there's even if someone dropped a domain and let it go, you couldn't register it. So um, yes, a- absolutely. There is a, a big market. Uh, I I was reading, I don't know, a few months ago that it's a multi-billion dollar market. I don't know how much is spent on aftermarket domains, but it's certainly big. We're going to start wrapping this up, but uh, Joe and Karen, any final words um, for voice actors? Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, voice actors that are just starting, um, and then we have a lot that are really well established. What are just uh, a few nuggets of advice that you would give to voice actors with regards to their online presence? I would say it's important for your brand and what you're putting forward to reflect the end client that you're looking to um, work with and uh, that it should so show a little fun a little bit of your personality because I think you know having a little humanistic touch in there is important and of course the technical things like having your demos downloadable having your name front and center your contact information front and center and um, you know it's a it's a fun industry to be in it's a great community and there's so much stuff to learn I agree with everything Karen said and I think one of the things that certainly has drawn me and ultimately made me proud to be a part of the voiceover community is that it's so collaborative. 
So as opposed to uh, many other industries, including on camera, where everybody is constantly competing with each other and unwilling to help each other out, even though in the voiceover world, um, we do to some extent compete with each other, there's this sense of we're all in it together. Yeah. And so the, the Facebook communities, the, the conferences, organizations like Wovo, there are so many people that are so giving and willing to help each other out. And, you know, they're, they're working on a project and, or they, they can't do a project and someone asks them and they say, they refer a friend or someone that they know, or they're working on a project and they need another voice and they'll, they'll say, Hey, anybody available to do this who matches these characteristics? I, I don't know many other industries where that sort of thing would happen. And so I think that the same thing with an online presence, when you look at something for too long, it and this is true of anybody, uh, I think it, it's hard to be objective about it. And so bringing in people that care about you and want to help to to help with your decision making can be very helpful. Now, ultimately, you have to be happy with the end result. And as Karen said, it, it should always keep the end client in mind because if you view yourself as one way and uh, but you, you're going towards a, a certain type of work that doesn't necessarily match up with that, well, then there's going to be a conflict there. So uh, I think before you decide on a brand, let's say someone is brand new, um, picking a brand might not be the, the first thing that you want to do. You might want to just look professional, clean and professional. Mm -hmm. And then once you establish yourself as a talent and figure out who you are as a voice actor and what type of jobs you book, then work on branding. Some people may know from the beginning and that's great, but um, I wouldn't stress too much initially about branding. I would worry more about coming across as professional, doing what you do well and being available to a, a wide variety of work until you figure out who you are. That's for um, new talent. And for established talent, uh, I, I think having audio demos that are playable and downloadable, video if and when you have it because it's more engaging than, than audio. People watch video for longer, longer excuse me, um, bio, client logos, client testimonials, voice descriptors, delivery methods, equipment, uh, easy to contact information, contact form, all those things are things that talent seekers do look at. And so I, I would recommend keeping all those things in mind when you're building a site. Excellent. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of uh, what you were saying about talent just starting out, a lot of people, you know, tears down the, the line, they're, they're, their business is in a very different place. So I think spending a lot of money um, up front trying to worry about how to brand yourself is is not right for everybody. Because things just change so much, you know, as you get more work and you have more experience. And I just feel super blessed to work in this industry. I've made some amazing friends, friends that I, I consider family. So it's just been a real blessing and it's, it's an awesome community. That's great. Bobby, anything else? No, what a wealth of information. No that's, kidding. That's awesome. Karen Barth, Director of Operations and Project Manager, and Joe Davis, Founder and CEO of VoiceActorWebsites.com. Thank you so much for being on the Middle Class VO Podcast today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out to them, just check them out, VoiceActorWebsites.com. You can read uh, about them under uh, their contact or their About Us and all kinds of examples. And uh, you'll see some great work that they have at VoiceActorWebsites.com. Guys, uh, let's do this again. We'd love yeah. to. Or let's get out of this situation we're in so we can go to a conference and celebrate. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, guys. And you guys take Thank care. Thank you. You too. Thanks, guys. Bye. The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's Hair and Makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's Wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast.